Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we welcome 2024 with open arms as we continue our yearly uh, tradition of doing a long form setting to start us off. And so for the next four episodes, maybe more, but probably at least four, we're going to be diving deep into a system of our own making. You know, I, it, it occurs to me, by the way, that we should come up with like a name for this recurring segment. Um, I, I don't know, I, like origin month. I don't know. We, we got to If you have a better idea for us, let, let us know, because I'm sure that we can come up with something interesting. Uh, Courtney, what do you think? Good name for this particular long stretch of episodes. Um, long form. <laughs> that's a terrible name, Courtney. That, 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 that's a terrible. Te- are you still drunk? Somehow. <laughs> Still still going strong. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not letting New Year's stop you in any way whatsoever. (laughs) Um, All right. We'll we'll workshop some ideas and we'll get back to it. And if you guys have a better idea for a long form month, long content thing, you know what? We'll, We'll throw it in there at some point. But before we get into our month long process, let's go ahead and remind everyone that if you want us to build your world, You can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow some instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow on social media, we're on YouTube, where you can subscribe and like and bell and all that stuff. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Let's World Build. You can also talk to us more directly over on our Discord. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon. It's whether or not you want the access to sweet, sweet patron-only goodies, or if it's just a thank you for all of the podcasting that we put in over the going on five years of the podcast. Five years, dear God, it's been like that. But for those of you who might not know what's going on, every January, starting last January, we take some time to ourselves where we come to the podcast with tenets, no prompt whatsoever. And we build something out for the next foreseeable couple of episodes. It is something that's really fun. It's something that I miss in terms of what we used to do here back in the old, old, olden days of the podcast kind of gets us back to our roots. And so I'm just excited to get right into it. So let's see who should start us off. Courtney, I don't trust you right now with your tenants. So Daniel, wow. why don't you start us off? There's there's no blood, I swear. <laughs> Daniel, start us off. What is your first tenant to guide us into the new year and the new prompt? I knew that such a was coming. Uh-oh. Now I have to find my notes. Oh, dear God. Well, I remember them. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh I just dropped them in this folder and it's horrifically organized. Now I'm, it's like dropping um, a, like the blue marble and into like a pool of all kinds of colored marbles. Um, Daniel, Daniel's also still drunk. Somehow, <laughs> am I the only sober person on the podcast? What's going on? This tenant I have, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the entirety of them, but in this world recently, the people who die um, have to be destroyed physically. Otherwise, um, they will come back to life in a gruesome way. 
Ooh, mm-hmm. fun. I like that a lot, actually. It doesn't have to be everyone who dies, but this is a phenomenon that seems to be happening. Interesting. Gotcha. So so it's not necessarily The Walking Dead, but it could no. be. <laughs> it could be, yes. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. So I leave that open to whatever we want to do. Fun. I love that. I love that start, for sure, because, yeah. oh boy, that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I suppose I should put a little bit of rails on this thing, considering looking at you, Courtney. Um, yeah. So, so I'll start with my first tenet as well, I guess. So last time we did our city that had the, the, the line and and the angel body and all that stuff, right? A bunch of really cool, interesting stuff. However, we were so focused on an individual city that this time I wanted to make sure that we'd have a little bit more of an expansive approach to this particular topic. And thus I want our setting to have some level of focus on uh, not just exploration, but there is a need for cartography, not just for profit and not just for geographical expansion, but there is a level of survival attached to it as well. So whether that be, you know, there's a cartography of stars or a cartography of planets or a cartography of continents, there is an emphasis placed on exploration and mapping those places where we are exploring within the world itself. Ooh, so maps? Maps. Maps. Maps Maps are important. Does that mean we can have um, uh, genocidal um, Spanish navigators who (laughs) are trying to colonize the world whilst also cartographizing it? Absolutely. Cartography. What's the word for that? Charting it? Charting. Charting. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Amazing. How, how am I? How am I the sober one? It's wild. <laughs> um, okay. The other thing that I think would be fun as well is that you have people who can sell you bad maps, right? Like that's always if like, hey, do you want to make sure you get through this? You know, like needle tooth straight safely. Buy my map, and then you buy the map, and you realize, wait, this is hot garbage, and then you just get shredded by piranha dragons mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Piranha dragons. Yeah, see, is that your second tenant? No, it's not. It's not. That's important. But, um, (laughs) but no, I I wanted to aim for a broader scope of of what we're looking at here, rather than focusing on an individual city. Because I would love to. I would look if I could build an entire city out, podcast by podcast. I would, but I figure we want a bigger scope, a a broader brush to paint with this time. Mm -hmm. No, I'm down for a more exploratory setting, um, mm. especially if it's something where something is decaying over time that causes these people to have to constantly like move or there's just some weird something going on that creates a need for this uh, nomadic life. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I, I left it intentionally vague so we can kind of nail down why cartography matters as much as it currently does. So you know, we, we can, we can kind of play with that once we get the rest of the tenants out. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Courtney, mm-hmm. I believe that you're up with your first tenant. Yes. Uh, so I think this might work well with yours. Um, my idea is that clouds don't just contain rain, but can contain fantastical properties as well. And mm. I wanted to leave those open so we can come up with some potentially very weird things like 
sure there could be you know like fire rain or something but we could also have like psychic rain or or weird Mm. like other things like that why do i feel like that's directly tied to daniel's first tenet that like Mm. there's like literally life in the rains itself and like whenever it showers Mm. like the bodies start to rise or something like that oh yeah that's cool yeah yeah and then when you consider what the rains have, that would also mean that the oceans themselves are also filled with a swirling morass of like various fantastical energies, which is also pretty damn cool. It so. would mean that the maps um, would matter because you'd have to chart the meteorological yeah. state of the world. Ooh. You know, I, I was thinking of like geographical or physical maps, but honestly, like a meteorological map would be kind of cool as well to consider. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see them building regular maps on the basis of meteorological ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really, that's a great observation, Daniel. Yeah, like the maps of this world always include some sort of like weather pattern. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. this area is particularly dry, so it's safe to pass through. But um, when you go over this mountain, you're going to get hit with a lot of storms. So you probably Mm -hmm. want to avoid this area, that sort of thing. Or they're seasonally like, hey, mm-hmm. it is the rainy season during X, Y, and Z months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like be very careful because that's where it's at its most chaotic or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope. Okay, that's really yeah. cool. I'm down for that for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I love the idea that the rains can potentially bring people back or like do something with these dead bodies. Maybe mm-hmm. it even depends on what kind of clouds are overhead. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm loving all of this. I, mm-hmm. I got to say, this is really fun so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Daniel, oh, I believe we're back round to you again, sir. So what do you got for your second tenant? Um, this one's in honor of a friend of mine who, um, well, a writing group companion. I wouldn't say friend because none of us were actually allies. <laughs> um, <laughs> where this person had a, a story about this that was rather interesting. But the the idea is that there is a hole in the world that is growing larger by the day. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It doesn't have to be a literal hole. It could mean a metaphorical one, but just the idea of some void growing. Mm-hmm. So I, I open that up there. Yeah. Neat. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, I have many questions about the hole, Daniel. So many questions about the hole. <laughs> and you, you said it grows constantly. It's growing by the day, so I'm assuming they're very slow growth of some kind. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Mm. Metaphorically, I can also see this as like climate change, which I'm assuming was the the kind of metaphor that your non-ally friend was discussing. Um, he just really had this cool idea of this enormous sinkhole, and it was huh. it was one of those weird things. I remember when he described it, like people would look into it and then like kill themselves. Or like mm. leap into uh, it that compelled them to grotesque kind mm. of like horror. Oh, that's cool. So I mean, I'm, I I guess I put parameters on the on the metaphoricalness of it. Like I do want there to be some kind of actual void. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's like right. it could be a void in the sky, it could be a void in the ocean. As long as it's mm. some sort of physical mm. emptiness yeah, that's growing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that a lot. That uh, mm-hmm. people like doing grotesque things or throwing them into it makes me think of uh, Junji Ito. Yeah, and like the you know, same thing. this yeah, hole is yeah. made for me, kind of vibe. Yeah, uh, I believe. It, um, what is the incident at something fault? I think is the name of that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's damn. That's a fun one. I read mm-hmm. that book because you gave it to me, Rob. Uh, wait, was that in the? Because I gave you Uzumaki to read. 
It's oh, in, yeah, you're right. It's is in. It? Um, oh, is I it? literally have it right behind me. Okay. Yes, yeah, I remember a hole. <laughs> yeah, it's like a short, yeah. short thing that's included in using my. Oh, that would totally make sense as to why I know it as well as I do. Then, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so besides Junji Ito, it also reminds me of the the Maelstrom by Poe. You know, this kind of like it, it's it's a real world phenomenon where I believe it's in like the Nordic area, like up in like the northern northern Norway or something like that, where there is a massive whirling hole that is just like like you look into it and it's like, oh, I feel like I could just get drained into the bottom of the ocean. Like it's that kind of level of despair and stuff mm. like that um but yeah i i also love the idea that you look into this thing and become uh you want to the happening yourself if 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 you guys get that reference <laughs> i i don't but um it's sort of interesting it's not just me i i know there are other people who get this too but like when i am like standing on you know a tall area or something like i do get this weird compulsion to like jump and obviously never do but it's this like i think it's called call of the void or something it's like this weird uh yeah brief entirely out of character and often involves thoughts of leaping from a high place oh weird is that similar to um intrusive thoughts like yeah logically yeah yeah is that why you didn't walk to the edge of Pulpit Rock with us, Courtney? Because that makes a lot more sense now. It's like, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how much it ties into my fear of heights, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely yeah. definitely something weird there. <laughs> it is hilarious that we hiked Pulpit Rock together and you have a horrible fear of heights. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. That, so so I, I'm guessing that you'll never do Troll Tungo with us is what I'm hearing mm, from you. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, we'll we'll do that at some point though. Um, <laughs> all right, so I love I love our giant hole. Um, I'm I, I'm imagining now. This is just my initial reaction to this kind of concept. Is I'm imagining that this is someone's answer to the rains, like these kind of like massive chaotic rains, where it's like we need a not not a sinkhole, but we need like a drainage. Right. Because the oceans are so chaotic with all this whirling energy that we need to drain it somehow. And their answer was to create like a a, a void or, or like a drain into the nether. Right. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's like, well, we can't control it. And it turns out that all of the whirling energy of the waters has actually made it worse and uncontrollable. So <laughs> we've got a ticking clock on our hands, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. Maybe like the form of appeasement um, is you have to put your dead in the hole mm-hmm. or they'll come back to life. I definitely didn't think you said dead at first, Daniel, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> uh it also that like culturally that's really interesting because now i'm just imagining like viking funerals but instead of like flaming like Mm-mm. long boats it's like you're just pushing them down this river and then watching them get sucked into a vortex or something like that mm-hmm. but maybe it's not a matter of like destroying the body but destroying it in the sense of like putting it in an unrecoverable hole so they can't crawl back out oh, you know yeah okay. otherwise they'll wake up you know Ooh. Yeah, I feel like that's a cultural thing for sure, you know, where it's just like, well, this is one way that we can make sure that our dead don't rise again. You know, some people cremate, some people prefer the water hole. You know, it's like it's it's dependent on culture. But I mean, they will literally rise from the dead is my is my present problem. 
Yeah. Right. And so yeah. that's why you, that's why you cremate, right? Or do the the whirling water thing. Oh, well, what I'm suggesting is like dismember. I mean, I'm certain if you cremated them, then they're obviously they can't come back. But um, mm-hmm. although maybe they could. But maybe maybe <laughs> that's what I'm suggesting is like maybe because normally you dismember bodies to prevent it from coming back. Maybe like dismembering it doesn't work. Burning it doesn't work. You have to put them in the hole. Like if mm-hmm. you dismember their body, they just appear. They come back somehow. Oh, okay. that would be super oh, creepy, you know? Yeah, maybe like the sort of physical destruction of the body, like when they're mm-hmm. exposed to potentially these certain types of rain. Over time, it reconstitutes the body. Yeah. So, like, the mm-hmm. only way to truly be rid of it is to shove them into this like miles deep hole, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully, they'll just stay down there forever. Imagine the rains coming, and you had burned your loved one, thinking that would get rid of them, and they just mm-hmm. like emerge from the rains, mm-hmm. and they're yeah. fucked up. Oh, mm-hmm. I was I was thinking that they're coming back as like literal ashen clouds, you know. And so, like, if you breathe them in, it's like you're breathing in the mm-hmm. dead, and so they possess the physical body of like a a living person again. So it's not just destruction of the physical body of the living; it's also like the physical consumption of the soul itself, as they recognize it. You know, I mean, I would be cool with variations, like say if you burn oh, them or destroy their yeah. body, like that's possible. But I do like the mm-hmm. idea of like. You just buried the person and they come back as this sort of ghoulish thing. Yes. Because yeah. having the person intact is also frightening. You know, I yeah. also love the idea that like this is what fills the underdark. And it's one of the more horrific underdarks. Like we're just like, hey, listen, the, the surface is for the living and everything beneath the surface is for the dead. You know, like mm-hmm. that's their kingdom. That's the kind of truce that we have. It's it's not perfect, but it's what we've got, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of horrifying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that they might not just be like mindless zombie creatures. They might mm-hmm. have mm. a society of their own down there that nobody really knows about. Because why would they ever go down there? Yeah, that would be an interesting question. Because I like the idea of like the, being an underworld that perhaps the whole mm-hmm. lead you to. Mm-hmm. And also it raises the question of what sort of glimmer of intelligence do these things have? You know, like mm-hmm. yeah. I could see, for yeah. example, the malevolent storm having some kind of psychical power, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the love of a storm undead. And then maybe like your standard ghoulish undead, like maybe they don't really have a consciousness of what they are. Mm-hmm. That's what makes them dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of like make them not zombies. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I do love the varying degrees of like revivified dead. I like yeah. the idea that like maybe the less physical body they have, the more consciousness they retain or something like that. Where oh, it's that's like, a cool relationship. Yeah. Because it's like if you burn the brain or something like that, then it releases it from the physical rot. Like the rot itself is what keeps them kind of indolent and, you know, uh, kind of docile in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course you can also create cultures where, they deliberately remove the brain of the dead. So their mm-hmm. body is unfettered from rot, but their intelligence is still there in some way. Like there's mm-hmm. a number of things that you can do if you want to create like a spectrum of undead intelligence and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I was also wondering about how things like um, Tibetan sky burials would work, which is where they take a corpse and I think often like cut it up a bit um, and leave mm-hmm. it out for vultures to come and devour I'm mm-hmm. curious how that sort of like would that be another way to like actually legit make it permanent or would there still be something there lingering? 
I think the magic of the hole is that um, the only way to destroy them is to put them in it. Mm-hmm. But what I mean by that is like, so I'm sure that that could be a, I'm sure that like taking them apart and having them be beaten could mm-hmm. be a, a cultural attempt to destroy the body, but mm-hmm. just like incinerating it or burying it or I don't know, like cremating it, whatever, they will come back once you put them in the hole. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. So like, I also wonder like how this has worked over time because obviously in like ancient times you wouldn't be able to traverse the entire earth to get to this hole to dump your dead into oh yeah i think it's a recent thing the hole and the dead rising or yeah i think so i think this must be a recent or a new phenomenon it's all sort of connected in some way Mm -hmm. interesting well i think that it might be able to tie into my second tenet in that my second tenet is the primary resource that people use uh, either for extra special thing or fantastical means come from the corpses of ancient and powerful beings that have recently gone extinct. So the, the kind of like easy stand in is dragon, right? Like people are using dragon bone or dragon blood or dragon fang as some kind of powerful, um, you know, kind of energy source or what have you, but realistically dragon is just the kind of stand in name that we can use for it right now. Uh, You can also use Titan behemoth, God, whatever you want. But I think that we can potentially tie those two things together because we can say that the extinction event that caused the death of all of these things that people are harvesting for power has also caused the most recent kind of um, whole shenanigans and also, like, maybe the, the energy being sopped up into the rains themselves as well. Mm, interesting. I like that. Yeah. Is it, um, are the the things they're devouring, is it, you said people, or is it like a race of things, like creatures? So, I left that intentionally vague. Um, I wanted it to be that there was some kind of thing that was incredibly powerful that, you know what like i said i use dragon for a reason right imagine that we had a bunch of dragons and then one day they go extinct and we're using the bodies and the remnants of those creatures as resources that's what i'm interested mm-hmm. in kind of doing here okay and were they were they like sacred or were they revered or were they feared you know i i i literally didn't get that far um because i i didn't for some reason, Daniel, I'm going to be real with you. I definitely thought we were doing a sci-fi setting this time. Like, <laughs> like for, I don't know why I had that in my head. So I wanted to, I wanted to keep myself nice and flexible to be like, we've got space whales using space <laughs> oil and whatnot and space whale. Bones, <laughs> right. So like, I wanted to, I wanted to be as like open and flexible as I possibly could in that regard. So honestly, I would love to sit here at some point and like kind of talk through mm-hmm. what those creatures are. But I feel like we should probably get through the rest of the tenets before we get to the more specific aspects of it. Oh, yeah. We don't have all of them yet, do we? No, yeah. we've got to finish. Okay, that's fair. I'll have some helpful interrogative questions afterwards. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Courtney, hit us mm-hmm. with your second and final tenet. What have you got for us? Uh, This one's pretty simple. It's just that money does not exist in this world. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we've got dragon bones, so that would make sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, no, when you say when you say money, are you suggesting that we're still on like a purely barter system? Are we talking about 
Okay, got it. Get bartering or or favors or things like that, but right. nothing that can be like a stand-in. Right, right. Understandable. Okay, so there's no like gold coin. There's no right. gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, this is my opportunity to push reading a book called Debt, The First 5,000 Years by David Graeber. Would strongly recommend everyone who's interested in the history of economics from an anarchist standpoint to go and read that book because it is very interesting in terms of how humanity approaches debt and currency. And yes, that sounds boring as fuck because <laughs> it kind of is, but it's also very interesting. Okay. So I, I'm going to plug that now to go read David Graeber's Debt the First 5,000 Years. Yeah, I've I've heard of that book before. I haven't read it yet, but it did sound pretty mm -hmm. fascinating, but also pretty dry. <laughs> did you hear it from me because I've been plugging that book well, for a long time? I don't think so, actually. I think it was like years and years ago that somebody mm -hmm. brought it up. It's good. It's it's very mm -hmm. good. I would strongly recommend it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love that idea, though, Courtney. I love that it, it, like, it doesn't really restrict us to a lot of things, and it forces us to kind of reimagine something that is foundational or what we would look at as kind of foundational to a modern era. So that's really yeah. cool. Love that idea. Absolutely. And love to, it. to be clear, um, when you say there's no money, you still see there as being um, a currency systems so like bartering or um, exchange. So there's still like value and commerce yeah. in that way or no? Yeah. Like you can still trade. Like if I have something that you want mm -hmm. and you're like, Hey, can I give you this? I don't know piece of food for that like oh yeah sure okay. but so it's not like yeah. we're in a post like like a communist society where there isn't money i mean we could go in that way if, if you yeah. want but basically just there's no like type of stand-in that you would use for trade mm -hmm. or purchasing mm -hmm. or whatever that value hasn't been abstracted in the way that it is in a right. modern yeah part. yeah okay. okay so it's more like and then that's interesting because it can let us position the um like the place and time of the world. Like mm -hmm. on the one hand, it could put it in a very old time period. On the other hand, it could put it very far in the future where mm -hmm. perhaps we've lapsed back into that or are on the verge of maybe a different kind of economic system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it gives us a couple of directions. And mm. I do think it works well with what we've established so far with like the, that need for movement and mapping and everything. Like if, if a society isn't, you know, sticking to one place for generations and generations, then I feel like it makes more sense that they wouldn't have developed like a set form of currency, you know? Mm -hmm. And it would also raise questions about those, um, the dragon bits, because if there's not money that can't function as like a coin, it would have to mm -hmm. have some other kind of non-monetary value, like perhaps magical or sacred and mm -hmm. would have to be viewed in a way that isn't, you know, commodified, like that you could yeah. take a few dragon bones to get like a cart of something because that would basically turn into money. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I did kind of want to like push back on a little bit, Courtney, is like I, I don't currently see our our sentient beings as like purely nomadic necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, like I still think that you can have empire and you can have like cities and you can have, you know, all sorts of interesting stuff without being purely nomadic, right? Like the idea that we can also see the need for mapping and cartography as you know, survival for sure does not mm -hmm. necessarily mean that we've got cities on the backs of beasts that we're traveling you. or anything. I gotcha. Like yeah. yeah. 
Okay. So then that makes me wonder then if like the landscape is constantly shifting in some mm. way that makes all this mapping necessary. I mean, what if we explored that concept though? Because it would be interesting if an actual city is a super rare thing in the sense mm-hmm. of like, I could imagine if you have a world that's mostly shattered and nomadic, finding like an actual city in the storm would be like really cool from mm-hmm. a narrative point of view. But yeah. then it makes it, it would, like going back to your point about the maps, it would be really interesting because then instead of maps pointing to locations, it might point to throughways that are safe where the things in those throughways or whatever you want to call them mm. are um, like seasonal places that pop up. Like, so say like, mm. you know, you've got this caravan of people who travel by, I don't know, like this floating apparatus or whatever. And the map will show you based on the, the meteorological pattern, right? This opening happens on this season and those people will be there. And so their maps are like this weird time-based thing. And right. it yeah. could be like a legendary thing being like, there is a city in this place always, but you can only get to it in this particular season because of the storms, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like Dracula's castle in Castlevania. You know, it's like, it's yeah. an eternal castle, but you can only get to it at certain time periods. Mm-hmm. Actually, the idea that these maps are chronological is really fucking cool. And yeah, I that'd be weird. Wanna, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm down for that idea entirely. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see the world as being this crazy, like stormy place, but then it's like mm-hmm. these maps are really your sense of of stability, even though they're temporal. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because because maps are there to chart things that are constant, right? And if the thing that is constant requires a time period, then yes, the necessity for maps is even more so, right? Like, uh, or or we can bring in. The 1999, it's our first show of 2024. We've got to pay homage <laughs> mm-hmm. to the classic that is the 1999 action movie classic with Brendan Fraser, The Mummy, of course. Uh, and that is, you know, how do they get to the lost city? They have to wait until the sun rises, right? And then they oh, see yeah. the path forward and that's the only way that they can get in. Mm-hmm. Bam, we've got exactly. the reference. And also, like, I feel like you say stormy, Daniel. I see it more shimmering. Right. I see this, these kind of like maps as this kind of ephemeral shimmering in the distance that, okay, we're here. Where's the city? You know, like you can't Mm -hmm. be there because it's not the right time. And it could be seasonal, it could be by the day. I mean, having those locations be time locked is probably the coolest fucking thing that I've heard. And Mm -hmm. I really want to drill down into that for sure. Yeah. And I love, just the idea that all of this ties together, like the the time, the landscape, the uh, weather patterns, and like mm. picturing how like we have you know calendars hanging up that are just the dates and nothing mm. nothing exciting about them. Maybe they have like the cycles of the moon or whatever. But picturing a calendar that these people on this planet might have that's like full on like uh, weather patterns across seasons mm. and like okay, this city is gonna be. Uh, open on like this exact day, but only if the weather pattern follows this yeah. and like so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, their calendars aren't just 12 pages. They're like novel lengths. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. That, yeah. That's really cool. And also, yeah, no, the idea that it's like, okay, you can only access this city if it's rained within the last three days and only mm-hmm. at this time period, like all of that is so fucking cool. 
because you're not just navigating a geographical or like a 3D space. You're also navigating time itself, which is really, really, really awesome. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So I'm in. I'm in, you guys. I'm in. Um, (laughs) uh, So, all right, we've gotten the tenets out there. Uh, We're not going to do our quick little recap because we're going to just ask some questions and figure out where we want to kind of develop or what we need to develop before we go back to our recapping. So I'll ask you, Daniel, where do you want to go next? What other questions, what other aspects of the world do we want to interrogate? Also, we've got um, a bunch of great structures. So we've got the hole, we've got the rain, we've got the cartography that plots the landscape and the landscape's kind of like uncertain, except for certain fixed points, which you can only reach given, you know, certain uh, states of the of the world mm. we have the bones and we have no money right yeah so i know i don't like <laughs> yes. the dragon stuff right so yeah so um i would i mean i i don't want to zoom in on the dragon stuff because i feel like that was when you first mentioned it i think you said maybe i misheard it when you first talked about it i i heard like um that these are the like the remnants of a powerful people and so i was picturing like physical remnants of bodies of people Mm. having this magical power that's that's distributed mm. and then it made me think well what happened in in the history if there was like a, an ancient people that now their remains are important to be distributed and mm. i think that there's some alignment with um the dead in that case but i don't know what oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i intentionally left that vague so we can just kind of use it as a stand-in for what have you um but i do like the idea that it is like a sentient entity in some way mm-hmm. And there could even be something where it's like they recognize that their time is ending in some way. The thing is, though, like when we think about like the remains of a sentient person, I can't help but think of relics from the Middle Ages where, you know, St. John's finger bone or femur or something like that holds immense magical power. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, Yeah. like it would be neat if you want it to kind of be a single like entity but what if you what if it was like a, a group of like kings or yeah. um, ancient like Sorcerers leaders or something yeah that have yeah. been broken yeah. hard bits oh i'm i'm fine with that when i say entity i was just meaning more like it didn't necessarily have to be a human or a person or you know, it. like yeah. i just need a group or a a, a race of things mm-hmm. right and yeah i'm cool with that being like whether they be you know like living gods or saints or sorcerers mm-hmm. or what have you you know, or chronomancers or whatever we create, you know, I think that what I care about is that they're using the parts as technology. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So these things have power, but like, it seems like they're very important. And I also think it would be good yeah. if we limit the amount of them. So yeah. like if there were 12 oh, yeah. and so they're parts, there's only so many bits you can make from 12 or 10 or whatever. I'm not. Right. Yeah. yeah. As you were talking, I was definitely picturing them as like sorcerers that have some great power and maybe they destroyed themselves in some kind of magic war or something but Mm -hmm. also thinking like i think rob like you said realized that their time was up and like got together in this one specific spot to off themselves and that created the whole Mm -hmm. or they could also be like the people currently could see them as sorcerers but they could have been like robotic constructions that had Mm -hmm. that sort of similar magical power um Mm-hmm. they make phylacteries of themselves is that what you're suggesting um that wasn't what i had in mind but that's an interesting <laughs> you just want liches <laughs> well because you you said they made the hole i could imagine something 
catastrophic if, yeah. if perhaps there was, I mean, maybe, maybe not licious. That's too obvious. Right. But I could see perhaps they're they turning themselves into vessels of some kind would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, see. I, I think that what we can also do is like, I, I think we can keep the idea of like a sorcerer King war. Right. Uh, but then maybe we can turn it into something that is less obviously evil and that maybe they yeah. created the whole as a way to seal or at least temporarily block some kind of maelstrom. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that maelstrom is the whole itself. Right. Like there. Imagine that the world or reality itself is wounded and they tried to put stitches onto that to prevent it from you know, literally tearing reality open at its seams. And what's happening now is that those stitches have started to come undone again. And Mm -hmm. that's where the, the maelstrom is kind of absorbing and kind of like slowly getting bigger again to start, you know, consuming the world once more. But what the kind of sacrifice that those sorcerer Kings gave was we're going to sacrifice our lives, but something happened in them doing so where magic, became part of the water, became part of the weather itself in some way, and potentially unmoored parts of that world from time to the point where that's where mapping became so important. Uh, Temporal mapping, I should mm -hmm. say, not just, you know, like physical mapping. No, I like that idea that like they, in their death, like they transferred their powers into the world itself. And they may have realized that was going to happen, maybe not. But like, mm. you could even have weather patterns named after those uh, sorcerers, mm. because like, yeah. you know, so and so is associated with mm-hmm. this wind pattern. This other guy is associated with these like psychic clouds. Yeah. Okay. You know what I just realized? They could be arch druids if they're trying to heal the world itself from this massive power. Like, you know, like sorcerer king, wizard king. That is something that we see a lot, right? But how often do we see archdruids making massive changes upon the world itself? I think that that's an opportunity for us to consider it, especially yeah, when it's all yeah. like natural, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to see like some narrative oppositions rising, which helps. So it mm. seems like the whole is in opposition to the rain because the rain resurrects people in a bad way. And the only way to stop them from being resurrected is put them in the hole. So, and it seems that the archers created the whole, right? And that mm-hmm. the weather patterning, understanding the weather is something learned from the archers because it helps you combat the weather. So the weather seems to mm-hmm. be sort of the antagonist, the natural antagonist. Then it may, and, and the parts of the druids help you, I assume, survive in this, you know, cataclysmic landscape because it's technological power it kind of offers you. Perhaps it offers you mm-hmm. weather-related power, um, like control over the wind yeah. in some yeah. way. You know, yeah, they're yeah, parts, yeah. right? So yeah. so then we have to figure out ultimately, I mean, not now, but eventually, is like, um, what is this weather? And what is mm-hmm. this underworld that we also mentioned? Mm-hmm. Where did the dead go? And why do they come right. back? And all those questions, yeah. Yeah, because now I'm thinking like, is it just water? Re- like, is it just rain that happens to do this thing? Or is it mm-hmm. more than that, right? Is it I mean, other types of weather stuff? You know, exactly mm-hmm. right like lightning. is it lightning or fog or mm-hmm. you know like yeah. there's so many other things like ugh, there's so much that we can do and we haven't really touched on a massive weather-based thing before yeah. have we like in terms of world building mm-hmm. like i, I can't mean, think of one that's been like massively was, important we have a, a couple there was like the dead winds one in that one setting mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i think there was another one parter that had like a 
massive storm thing and there were like the giant monsters that people worship oh i remember that one yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, so we've done like some but i don't think it's been as core as what we're going for. yeah yeah okay i could i could also see um the arch druids like it's the parts of them right but i could also see them having not destroyed themselves but gone to the place where the hole is like to the underworld and so left parts of their bodies mm. um, just to give some idea of what's going on down there. Maybe this doesn't mm. have to be the case, but I'm just trying to think mm. of like, you know, like what, what does it mean to have their bits you know, left? <laughs> yep. And what we can also consider as well is expanding it to not just the Druids themselves, but maybe favored animal companions or something like that as well. Oh, like they're familiar. So we, yeah, exactly. So you can have like, the the archdruid themselves being incredibly powerful and they're petrified or, or not petrified well actually potentially petrified but like mummified petrified preserved remains holding mm-hmm. a, an immense amount of power but also what of the kind of like oh i've got a tiger claw that can you know like summon a whirlwind or something like that right mm-hmm. like because that was that archdruid's favorite pet like they've been around the archdruid so much and they shared in that immense power together, you know, like I can see that you can take it from a circle of archdruids to a circle of archdruids plus their animal companions on top of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that if you do that, you also allow for, you know, a much broader range of interesting abilities and skills and potentially uh, manifested power, you know, because what happens if you had the archdruid who is a big fan of like swarms and like, you know, packs of rats and stuff like that. You can have like mm-hmm. hundreds or dozens of like mice skulls that do something that is interesting. And like, they're incredibly minor compared to like, you know, like the skull of an elephant, but at the same time, they still have power in that way. Speaking of animal companions. Yeah. Speaking of animal <laughs> companions. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I like that idea a lot. That's very cool. I, I love that. Yeah. And um, you were saying like the druids were potentially like petrified or something, but I'm also picturing them as like, or like their bodies are embedded into the earth around this hole. And that's also mm. another reason why there's sort of this rush to, to get as much as people can get from them um, because there's a chance that the bodies will slip into the hole. Oh, that's really interesting too. Yeah. Maybe maybe the animals as totems, like you're saying, the archers themselves, like you said, are part of the whole. Like that, they bind the whole together. Like you're saying, oh yeah, yeah, they're they're the stitching that that mm-hmm. the binding mm-hmm. that they were trying to use to seal yes. the, the maelstrom. Yeah. They themselves are the whole. Uh, oh God, that yeah. Oh man, and because I could see approaching. If you're supposed to deliver your dead to the whole, I could see the whole being the one place that is calm and free of storms when you approach mm-hmm. it. Yeah, because yeah. you're literally in the eye of the storm. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, then back to your point about the animals, Rob's point, like each from each druid probably had a number of animals that served it. And so yeah. the totems or these things that are out in the world, the bow dragon bones, are the animal bits, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Which would be mm-hmm. neat. Then each creature has its own kind of spiritual weather power. Mm-hmm. And mind you, it doesn't necessarily just have to be the bones. Like we could be using uh, furs or antlers. Antler. Yeah. yeah, there's there's like mm-hmm. so many things that we could be doing as well. When you can wear the fur and it's like magical. Yeah, or mm-hmm. carapace, you know, like there's so much that you can do uh, once we bring in that aspect, you know, like that's that's pretty fucking cool, I think. Yeah. 
Or, I mean, we could also think of like vials of animal blood as well. If you wanted to appease Courtney's bloodthirst, you know. Blood, you say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Courtney perked up at that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that this is an interesting conceit because, again, how many worlds have been built on the backs of wizards, uh, arch wizards, and you know, like all sorts of stuff? But how many? worlds have been built on druids i think that's a more interesting thing that we haven't played enough with in the world you know yeah i'm all for druids yeah especially weather druids mm-hmm. you know like that's that's something interesting that we can gonna mess around with yeah and then like the potential for people now to have some impact on the weather like you said with relics or something mm-hmm. like that would also really complicate the mapping process because if you know, so-and-so over in this country decides to shift their wind patterns for Mm. better weather than like, what's that going to do to everybody else? And everybody has to redo their meteorological maps and stuff. Oh yeah. I I didn't even realize, but you're absolutely right, Courtney. Like there is something there where like your ability to create a rainstorm suddenly means that you can traverse to a certain city outside of the normal time. Right. If it's, if it's trapped behind like, Oh, well it didn't rain this city is cut off from the rest of the world. Well, guess what? You have this power to fuel it. And all of a sudden you are given it's freedom, right? Like you're these, these totemic items of power also offer freedom of movement as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. God damn. That's interesting. <laughs> so, okay. One, one question that I have though, right. You know, what, what do people, if they're traversing the world, and, you know, like the location is time locked. What do they see instead of their destination? Is it just empty blasted landscape? Like, is it a natural world that's been overrun with nature? Like, what does that look like? So do we see this as a magical thing? Or is it just that to the ancient world people or whatever state they're in, the complexity of the storms makes it impossible to find the place? That's the first question. That's a great question. Yeah. I could see it working either way, but I I can too. Yeah. I, I think I prefer that the time lock aspect is magical in some sense. Uh, because like, I, I don't know why I I'm fascinated and in love with the idea that there is some kind of time magic that's happening or there's some kind of like, parting of veils that happens when we're kind of dealing with traversing the locations themselves, right? Like when you Mm -hmm. find a city, it's not just that you can physically go there. It's like you have to see through the veils of magic that are concealing it at the time. Yeah. No, I'm all, I'm all for that. Um, And it fits with what we have built up so far and how like magical the world is and how these druids literally imbued the world with their own magic mm. so then my answer then if it's the magical direction is perhaps the place that the veil reveals when the storm is there and your destination isn't is in fact the world below so that is the underworld permeates the whole world they just the whole is a quick way to get to it but when you arrive at the city and it's not the right time or the storm is here you're actually traversing the underworld Okay, I think I understand what you mean. Mm-hmm. So 
kind of like in the you know in, in Stranger Things how they have the yeah. overlapping yeah. underworld. Yeah, like the underworld becomes the overworld when the storm has, isn't clear. I see. So right. it's like an as above, so below sort of connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or or like a Silent Hill type thing where yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah okay and so you don't want to be there obviously you don't want to explore that because that's fine. yeah mm-hmm. okay when you said underworld I definitely thought you meant like a Hades underworld and now considering that the dead are involved I can't help right. but think that that is not just metaphorical it's literal mm-hmm. it's literal you know? right and then the yeah. asteroids we know that they're trapped in limbo between the two places because they're mm-hmm. keeping the threshold mm-hmm. in place right yeah. And yeah, this is this is starting to make a lot more sense when it comes to the mm-hmm. dead and, and stuff yeah. like that, too. I mean, you could be so I could imagine someone saying, you know what, like I lost someone and I put them mm-hmm. in the hole, but I want them back. And so you deliberately travel into the storm and get lost in the underworld that way. Ooh. Yes. And then you have opportunities for like Eurydice and mm-hmm. um, Orpheus. And the rules of going into the underworld. Like there's exactly. you can't eat in the underworld or you stay there, you know, yeah. you those kind of things, you know. I yeah. feel like I want to rewatch What Dreams May Come. It's been a long mm-hmm. time. And it's a great one. Given me kind yeah. of those vibes. Yeah. The Robin Williams movie? That's yeah. A good one. yeah. yeah that's, that's a really good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of Greek mythology we can draw from, you know, with mm-hmm. shades. It seems like, you know, the kind of dead we're dealing with are sort of like shades. You know, they're left behind and they have to travel to their final destination. Yeah. You can have things like the River Styx. You can have... Yeah, the yeah. ferryman you can have all the whereas like in greek mythology like the underworld isn't like hell there is a hell in the underworld right. it's like a place of of afterlife that has good mm-hmm. places and bad mm-hmm. places and i can imagine right. this being similar yeah yeah you have your asphodels your elysiums your uh tartaruses all that stuff Daniel, you really need to play Hades, by the way. Like, you you would really love I know. That. That's one of the ones by the studio that I love, right? I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Gotta, it was on my list. I think I own it. I've never opened it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I told I think I told this story already, but I, I just finished my fourth full playthrough recently because yeah. I found that, like, it's an annual tradition at this point for me to just, well, time to start a new save file of Hades and play through it the entire way through. So... You should really play that. And yes, I'm totally on board with this kind of idea that uh, the mortal world and the underworld, you know, the land of the dead are like effectively layered on top of one another. And the maps are what allow you to navigate between those two spaces. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool as shit. That's really cool. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, it could also be like people trying to map out the underworlds but doing it in a way where they hopefully don't get stuck there forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I imagine that there's also like certain triggers and certain events that need to happen. So being a cartographer is about patience as much as it is, Mm -hmm. you know, like being brave because it's like, Oh man, it's not like I get to go there. It's like, you have to go there and then observe, you know, what's going on and protect yourself. And when's it come back? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I bet, like, I bet there's a parallel uh, meteorological system in the underworld. So, yeah. you know, whereas this location opens every three months from the veil and you can go through it in the underworld, it only opens every three years or something crazy. You know, mm-hmm. so you have to, like, figure out not only on our side, but on, on their side how to get back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that, okay. <laughs> Guys, we're, we're we got it. We're on to something for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm loving this so far. 
Yeah, this is dope as hell. Okay. I'm looking at all of our stuff, and I think we've we we've linked them together. You know, I think the no money too. thing we haven't, but I think that's more a structure of hmm. the world, like the society. Yeah, I'll sure. Explore that in other ways. You know, I I kind yeah. of also have an idea about that, and I think that I I don't think that I'm going to keep this idea, but I want to get it out there just in case. Uh, you guys latch on to it. So, um, the idea of like Charon and the ferryman and like paying your taxes to the yeah. ferryman for some reason, I'm just like, there's no money because all of the dead have it to pass into the underworld, you know, like that, <laughs> that, like money is like, okay, I paid my toll. So I don't need money anymore. Um, but again, that's something that is very Greek and something that doesn't necessarily, we have to touch at all. But I think what we should do is we should go back and do a roundup of our tenets. And then we will stop for this episode and we'll come back next time with, I've got some ideas, but so uh, Daniel, I believe you started us off. What was your first tenant? The dead um, can return. If you don't destroy them properly, that they'll return to life. And in, in just, I found my notes and I originally I had added for having been rejected by the afterlife. Um, so maybe there's something oh, to do with that. Interesting. Um, but I think we've definitely covered all that. I I would say so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my first tenant was I wanted mapping and cartography to be incredibly important, not just financially, but for survival purposes. Again, that has become a massively important aspect of the world itself. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm in love with it. I'm about to marry it and mm-hmm. commit uh, some kind of a crime because I'm already married. So I don't know <laughs> what that would do. Um, but yeah, I'm also happy with what I've got in terms of mapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my first one was that clouds can contain fantastical properties, um, like not just rain, but sort of magical effects. And we haven't specified a ton of what exactly is going on, but I kind of like how nebulous and weird it can all be. And like mm. the fact that weather patterns can open up these connections between the two worlds. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just think it's really interesting. And I like how that ties in with the cartography uh, where you need meteorological maps in addition to just topographical ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really dope. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. This is working. This is working really well. Okay. Daniel hit us again with your second tenant. My second one is that there is a hole in the world that is growing larger day by day. And definitely uh, a big part. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> I, I think that we've managed to integrate that pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yep. Uh, my second tenet was there are a series of entities that people use, uh, like that they harvest their body parts or they harvest their bodies for power. And we've effectively done that by suggesting that they use the, the bodies of arch druid familiars to help control the weather in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm cool with that thus far as well. Yeah. And we have the cool concept of the calcification of them in the hole exactly yeah yeah yeah. that that uh, again every layer was just added on and added on it's like oh it's so good okay and i like that it's um not you know dragons or or colossus beasts or something but Mm -hmm. it's just people who are very magically inclined yes yeah exactly and again love the fact that they're arch druids something that we don't get to see very often i'm very happy about that Mm -hmm. uh and courtney what was your second and final tenet that was just that money does not exist in this world. Yes. And again, like Daniel said, I feel like that's a cultural thing that we'll probably mm-hmm. expand upon later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. I 
love where we are. I'm excited to spend another uh, three episodes here really, you know, like blowing out the world to be more interesting. So my question to you, my initial response is for next episode, we bring an arch druid, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think that's an interesting thing that we can start Ooh. with. Yeah. yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. What else should we bring to next week's episode? Because normally we do like faction and uh, whatever, but I think arch druid is a great way to start I mean, and then add on something on top of that. Yeah. Could the arch druid be a um, foundation? So like arch druid gives us a faction or a culture mm -hmm. perhaps that um, is invested in the arch druid and maybe yeah. Yeah, exactly. familiar so we can talk about the, the bones or whatever they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like whatever it's familiar was. Um, and then I think that'll give mm -hmm. us out of that. We'll get a faction. We'll get a location. We'll get some cultural ideas, which will flesh out the money stuff. Cool. Yeah. Like I'd be happy bringing just the idea for like the Druid and their companion. And from there we can all build out like mm. what we picture mm. their, their region and everything being. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, I mean, if you have ideas, certainly bring those to Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. A, we have some stuff to put in the pot, basically. Mm -hmm. In the hot pot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. I like that idea a lot. So mm -hmm. we'll come with druids and a little bit of whatever the druid kind of entails along with it, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, okay, guys. Guys, we made it through 2023. We're back for 2024 strap yourselves in it's going to be a year that's for sure um i can't tell you good or bad but it's definitely going to be a year 100 accurate on that on that prediction but we're going to wrap up this particular episode and you'll be seeing us in this world over the next couple of weeks however in the meantime if you want to submit your own world suggestion to us by all means go ahead and go on over to our website worldbuildwithus.com where you can click some links follow some instructions and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. It is 2024. We're excited to hear from new listeners, from old listeners and all that good stuff. We're just excited in general. I think we did 25 settings last year, and I know that we're probably going to be doing at least that many this year. So we're always excited to hear from you guys. Send in your prompts whenever you want, whenever you feel like it. And remember that if you want to follow us on social media, we're on YouTube where you might in fact be listening to this very podcast right now. So if you are, uh, click the like and the thumbs up and a comment, just type in, uh, I don't know, uh, give me an alternative name for the whole so we can stop calling it the whole, please. <laughs> uh, that would be great. And uh, like and subscribe and all that nonsense. We're also on Twitter at Let's World Build. And if you want to come talk to us more directly, or if you want to just kind of flesh out ideas for your own world building setting, you can do so at our Discord. And if you're feeling particularly generous or just want access to sweet, sweet patron-only goodies like two episodes instead of one for your prompt or uh, too hot for broadcast, by all means, go over to our Patreon where, where you can thank us more directly for the podcast. And that is where we're going to end our very first podcast of 2024. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so very much for being part of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much. And we're going to get through this together. Until next week. Bye.